Welcome to the teaching ministry of pastors Carl and Cheryl Thomas. Our favorite verse is Habakkuk 2.14, for the earth shall be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Consumed by that revelation, we are committed to recognizing, resourcing, and releasing high-impact ministries resulting in global glory, transforming lives to impact their world. We have a teaching that will impact you today. Now, let's get right into that word. Hey, we're starting a new series on the resurrection. Can you say resurrection? You know, sometimes we just preach on the resurrection on Easter Sunday, but I thought, well, let's do an Easter series where we're going to preach on the resurrection every week. It's all about the resurrection, you know, because the risen Christ and the resurrection is a big deal. When you read the book of Acts and you read about the uh, apostles, I mean, their message was they went and they taught about the resurrection. See, because people, here's what people know. People die and they don't get back up again. I mean, people die, but there's somebody who died. There's people who were raised in the Bible, in the Old Covenant, in the New Covenant. There's places in Bible church history and even in our history where people have been raised from the dead. And that's really wonderful, but they all died again. You know, Jesus was raised from the dead and he's alive! And he's alive right now, and it's a big, big deal. And the doctrine of the resurrection is something that we should really understand because what he did changes everything. Changes everything. All right, Matthew 28, 6 and 7. Here it is, the Easter story. Mary comes, and she's there, and, and Mary came. Mary didn't come. She, she, she was taught that he would rise, but she didn't get it. She was so impacted. He was dead, and she just wanted to take care of that body. She was so saddened that the one person who elevated her life, who changed the nature of her very existence, the person who gave her hope to go forward was dead, and she just wanted him to have a dignified burial, and she, she was there ready to just anoint his body because never had a chance to do it and she wanted it to be done right because she loved him so there she is she gets there and all of a sudden an angel shows up and says he isn't here he is risen from the dead just as he said would happen see jesus said it over and over again i'm gonna rise in three days they're gonna they're gonna take down this body but i will rise again and yet so many i mean if, if i were there then you know what i'd have been there with the mariachi band and as soon as he opened up, he goes, hey, a cucaracha. Uh, no, not cucaracha. I'd say, he's risen again. He's risen again. Just as like he said he would. I mean, right? Wouldn't you have been there? I'd have hired a band and said, here he is. Here he comes. But there's nobody there. But Mary showed up and an angel was there and said, come see where his body was. His body, that real body, that body was lying. So it wasn't some spiritual awakening. That body, the body of Christ, he is risen from the dead come see where the body was laying and then go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead matthew just before the day before in matthew 27 on the sabbath on the saturday the leading priests and pharisees went to see pilate and they told him see here's the pharisees here's the people who killed him here's the pharisees here's what they said we remember the people who killed him who didn't want him to rise from the dead they remembered what he said the people who killed him were believers. The believers were nowhere to be found. 
They said, you know what? We remember what the deceiver said. So they said when he was still alive, he spoke these things. And after three days, he said he will rise from the dead. So they were concerned, you know, this might happen or something might happen. So they went to the Romans. They said, you got to put a big stone in front of that tomb. You got to seal it. You got to lock this thing down because we don't want something getting out. Or we don't want his disciples stealing his body and saying that he was raised from the dead. They desperately want this ministry of Jesus. Jesus to end. We want to shut it down. We want to lock it down. Kind of sounds like COVID. We know we're going to rise again. We're going to rise. We're going to be bigger than ever. We're going to come out of this thing. And I tell you, there's so many people desperate for a revelation of an authentic God. And it's going to happen in a big way. Big way. So boom, they're trying to lock him down. So they want to lock him down. They said, command the tomb to be secure in case they try to steal him away. All right, let's go to 1 Corinthians 15, 17 to 19. And here Paul is teaching. They had some difficulties. They had some misunderstandings about resurrection and bodily resurrection. So Paul wrote a whole chapter about resurrection. He gave them good doctrine about resurrection. And Paul said, I received this doctrine from Jesus himself. So here's Paul. He says, he said, and if Christ is not risen, he has not been raised, your faith is useless. See, if Christ isn't risen, if he just died for your sins, your faith is useless. Do you know, your belief is useless unless it is in something. Your faith is useless unless it has an object. Faith will never do anything for you. Your faith is only as good as what you're exercising faith in. And if you got faith on faith and you're hoping your faith will do something, faith can't do a thing for you. Faith can only be made tangible if your faith is directed to something that is trustworthy and true. So you could have faith that this chair would hold yourself. Then you could sit on it, falls apart, and you go, wow, I really believe that was a good chair. But you see, your faith was misplaced because the guy who built it never glued it together. <laughs> but our chairs, you can have faith. You can sit on those. See, your faith is only as good as what you believe in. So what do you believe in? They said, if you believe in a God who was not raised... If you believe in a God who did not, well, he died for my sins. It's not enough that he died for your sins. If he wasn't risen, you're pitiful. He said, and the, if Christ be not raised, your faith is useless and you're still guilty. So you can have faith all you want. See, the, the, the Pharisees, they, they believed. Even when Jesus had risen from the dead, they believed it. The soldiers knew it. They believed he'd been risen from the dead, but they did not accept the, what it states. They did not accept what that says to us. They did not accept what it said about Jesus. They did not accept his message. They did not accept who he was. So your belief is only as good as your revelation of what it is that you're putting your faith in. And all who be died believing in Christ are lost. And if our hope in Christ is only for this life, we are to be more pitied than anyone in the world. We are to be more pitied than anyone in the whole world if we just believe in a philosophy of faith, a way of life, and there's really no risen Savior. If there's no resurrected God, we don't have any genuine hope. So the resurrection is a massive doctrine, and it's a massive big deal. So we're going to spend several weeks on it. Say amen. Say thank you, Pastor. All right, very good. A few people, all right. All right, so boom, let's go to Romans chapter 4. Romans chapter 4. Now, there were many people who believed that this was the first of the early church creeds. I mean, this is a, a summary of the whole purpose of God, of the gospel itself. In Romans 4, 23 and 25, now it was not written for your sakes alone. Now, this was to Abraham. Abraham was justified by faith. Abraham wasn't justified because of his race or because of his birthright. Abraham was justified because he believed that God would do what he promised. 
So if you believe that God will do what he promised, that's what it's all about. So this wasn't written, it was written in Genesis that Abraham was justified by faith alone. Now that wasn't written just for him, it's written for us as well. See, because anyone who is justified, anyone who is made righteous, is made righteous by faith. He was made righteous by faith in the promise of a coming Savior. We are made right because of the performance of our risen Christ. I got one amen with that. That was so good. I got one amen. Is that it, really? Come on. Come on. So my granddaughter says, she wants somebody to say, I don't know, not right now. Oh, come on. Come on. Look at this. It was not written for his sake alone. That it was imputed to him. Righteousness was imputed to him, but also for our sakes. It shall be imputed to us who believe in him who raised up. See, not just believe, but believed in him who raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead, who was delivered up because of our offenses and was raised because of our justification. He was risen up via our offenses, he was, or he was crucified, he was delivered up because of the, our offenses, same word, because of our offenses, he was raised up because of our justification. I need you to pay attention to that word. I need you to understand this verse. See, a lot of people read it and say, he died for my sins and he made my justification possible. He died for my sins, and now I can pursue righteousness. He died for my sins, and now i got to work really hard, and i got to become what he's made possible for me to be. Rubbish! That's not what it means. It's a preposition. Prepositions are used as a preposition. They give a context for what's being taught. And a lot of people misunderstand it. They jump into something called progressive sanctification, like I'm slowly becoming righteous. No, you are absolutely righteous. The resurrection absolutely declares that you are righteous. Nothing you did, nothing you could ever do could ever declare you righteous. You can't add anything to the finished work, the death, the burial, the resurrection, and the ascension of Christ. The finished work of what he did once and for all declares you, just like Abraham was righteous by faith, you are righteous by faith alone. Boom. And that's what this is saying. Let me look, read, look it in the, uh, the uh, Young's literal translation. Young's literal translation. It says, he was delivered up because of our offenses, and he was raised up because of our being declared righteous. Pay attention right there. He was delivered up because of our sins and our offenses, but he was raised up because of our being declared righteous. Not declaring we could be righteous, not declaring there's a pathway to righteousness, but he was raised up because of our being declared righteous. Do you get that? Holy moly, Batman. Hey! Oh, let me read another translation, the Passion Translation. Jesus was handed over to be crucified for the forgiveness of our sins. Was he handed over to be crucified? Was he crucified? Are your sins forgiven? Yes. What about the sin I commit tomorrow? Well, he's got to come and die again for that one. See, that was in Hebrews. If you sin, do you crucify Christ all over again? 
You can't crucify Christ all over again. Jesus died once and for all, for all sins. See, sinning doesn't, that was the whole teaching that he made. His teaching was, by sin, you don't crucify him all over again. He died once and for all. But people misunderstand, and they have literacy issues, and they don't, they take that, they twist it, distort it, and they say, whenever you screw up, you crucified Jesus all over again. That's not what the Hebrew writer is teaching. The Hebrew writer is saying, you can't crucify him again. You've been set free once and for all. Right again, Passion Translation. Jesus was handed over to be crucified for the forgiveness of sins. Was he handed over? Was he crucified? Are you forgiven? Wow, that was weak. You ready? Was he handed over? Was he crucified? Are you forgiven? Well, how could you be forgiven? He died for sins 2,000 years ago. He didn't die for sins in 1994. He didn't die for sins yesterday. He didn't even die for sins today. He died 2,000 years ago. How could the sin you committed today, how could it have been affected 2,000 years ago? The same way the sin you commit tomorrow was dealt with 2,000 years ago. It's once and for all. One man made all men sinners. One man made all men righteous. That's what it says. I don't know why that offends you. Not that it offends any of you, but people get weirded out by that. I know that everybody's a sinner because of what Adam did, but I have a hard time believing everyone is righteous because of what Jesus did. Well, then do you believe everyone is righteous because of the resurrection? Because that's what it says. It says, because of our offenses, he was delivered up. Because of our being declared righteous, he's been raised up. So the Passion Translation says, and he was raised back to life to prove that I have been made right with God. Why did God raise Jesus from the dead? Because all of your sins were paid for. Could he raise Jesus from the dead if some of them weren't covered? No. The reason he was raised from the dead, that's what this verse says, that's the doctrine of resurrection. Jesus was raised to prove that you are forever declared the righteousness and the quality of it, the righteousness of God not a better version of you. You died. The old man is gone. Behold, something brand new came forth. A new creation, something that never existed before is now on the scene. Something created in the very image of God in his righteousness, in Christ's righteousness. You are a new creation in Christ Jesus. Behold, all things passed away and all things. See, there's new. There's words for new in the Greek. There's new. I got a, I got a new car. I got another car. I, got, I had a Toyota. I got a new Toyota. So it's a new version, a new, a new, new, new in time Toyota. But the new that he's talking about isn't like a new. It's not like another one. It's something that never existed before has come on the scene. There's something that's been created and fashioned in God himself. You are a new creature in Christ Jesus. Hey, please settle down. I'm trying to preach on the resurrection. Look, let me, let me put it this way. Jesus would not be raised unless we are declared righteous. Jesus would not be raised from the dead unless we are declared righteous. Oh, well, that really troubles me. It's the Bible. I'm just reading the book. He could not be raised. That's why he said, if he is not raised, if, you, if there's no resurrection, you're still in your sin. If you're, there's no resurrection, you of all people are to be pitied. If there's no resurrection, you're still guilty. But the resurrection declares once and for all that fact that he was raised is the absolute demonstration that sin, past, present, and future is dealt with. 
the fact that he was raised from the dead, the fact that he was raised from the dead, well, the fact that he was raised from the dead declares that you are forever righteous. Oh. That's one of those sermons where I'm telling you the rocks are going to cry out. I, I can see rocks coming in the building right now. They're moving towards me. Yeah! Well, I already knew that. It's not that exciting. Well, get excited. Tell yourself to be happy. I got a receipt here for a product that I purchased on Amazon. And if I want to return it, you know what they ask me for? Do you have a receipt? So this is a receipt. So I can send it back because I have the receipt. Have you ever gone back, wanted to return something, you can't find the receipt? They say, you got no proof. You see, I, I had bought a ceiling fan, and the electrician came to install it, and he put it all in, and the light worked, but the motor didn't work. It wouldn't turn, so they had to take it down, and they took it back, and I went, I bought this here, and it don't work. Oh, oh, we're really sorry about that. They gave me a total refund. They got a new one. It works. But you see, the receipt was proof that I have it. The resurrection is your eternal receipt that you are righteous. You can take this. You can shove the word of a resurrected Christ that you are righteous. Just get it on your heart. Then when the enemy comes and says, you're a filthy dog, look what you just did. What do you say? What do you say to that dirty dog? He is risen! You're never going to amount to anything. He's risen. You're over. You're done. I mean, look at you. Obviously, whatever was supposed to take, it didn't take with you. You might need another dunk. I don't know. He is risen. All right. So the proof is important. The proof that he is risen righteous. And that word righteous means the act of God, not an act of you. It's the act of God where God declares you free from guilt and acceptable to him. That's what you are. That's what I am. That's what you are. Can they get a hallelujah from the back row? Woo! All right. All right. So I just want to show you a picture of my friend Thomas Edison. There's the Thank God for Thomas Edison, amen? Because of Thomas Edison, we have those. Because of Thomas Edison, but you know what? Something changed because of Thomas Edison. And you know, because of the resurrection, so many things have changed in your world. It doesn't change just a little bit. It doesn't change you just spiritually. It changes every aspect of who you are. And so we're going to unpack the resurrection in a big way. But we need to know that he's risen, right? Because if he's not risen, we're in trouble. So let's make sure we know that he's risen. Let me go through just a few proofs that you can hang your hat on. Are you ready? A couple of proofs. You ready? First of all, I want you to understand that there was a bit of a cover-up, right? Because it says in Matthew 28, it says, They told the soldiers, you must say that Jesus' disciples came during the night, and while you were sleeping, they stole the body. 
So the guards accepted the bribe, and they said what they were told to say, and that's the story that is widely spread among the Jews today, even still today. I need to make sure I change my colors on the screen because you can't see my red letters there. But that's the same story told today. They believe Jesus is dead. He was just another crazy prophet. He's dead and gone, but he's not. You see, he's different than every other prophet. We have a different faith because we have a risen Savior. We have a God who is alive. And he's proven it. But let me, let me just, I want to interrogate the soldiers. Can I interrogate them? I want to bring them in, and I want to ask them some questions. You ready? Number one, I want to ask the questions, how do you know they took him if you were sleeping? <laughs> I was sleeping, and while I was sleeping, disciples came and stole the body. Well, how do you know you were sleeping? How do you know what happened? Number one. Number two. There's a Roman seal on the tomb. So they said, seal it with a Roman seal. If there's a Roman seal on the tomb, you guys who were guarding it, it was sealed. Anyone who breaks that seal has to be killed. And anyone who allows that seal to be broken has to be killed. So here's the next question. Why are you still alive? Why are you even here to testify? Because if somebody broke the Roman seal and stole the body that you were guarding, if this is a true story, you should be dead. So there's something creepy going on here. There's something not quite right. There's something fishy about your story. Another thing is there's no sign of a struggle. I mean, I went. I checked it all out. There's nothing going on over there. There's, there's no evidence of, of bloodshed or anybody. I mean, if they did come, you guys must have run away like a bunch of scaredy cats. You are terrible soldiers. Now, number four is, well, have you investigated it? I mean, no body, no crime, you know? Where's the body today? There's a lot of things we could say that this does not hold water. But I tell you, there's a lot of evidence that Jesus Christ is alive today. It's a lot of evidence. So right there in 1 Corinthians 15, 1 to 11, it says, Moreover, brethren, I declare to you that the gospel which I preached to you, which also received, in which you now stand, you stand in this gospel, which was that you are saved if you hold fast to the word that I preached to you. And that if, is some people go, you're only saved if you hold on to the word. You are saved because of the word that I preached to you. Not conditionally, but my word has the power, and my gospel has the power to save you. But we love to put conditions on the gospel. You're only saved if you stand firm, brother. You know what? The one who called you is faithful. He will do it. What about that verse? The one who makes you stand will stand with you. Nothing will separate you from my love, except, no, nothing will separate you. So we take some of these ifs that are not conditional ifs. They are since or because. You were saved because of my my word that I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered you first of all. I delivered to you first of all, of first importance. This is what I want you to understand. First of all, and what I received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. He was buried and that he is risen on the third day according to the scriptures. And that he was seen by Cephas and then by 12 more. And after that, he was seen by over 500 people at one time. And of whom greater part of those people, they're still alive today. I could bring them in and they could tell you about it. After that, he was seen by James and then by all the apostles. Then, last of all, he was seen by me also. I'm one born out of due time. I mean, I was one who came to the kingdom in a really strange way, for I am the least of the apostles. I'm not worthy to be called an apostle. I persecuted the church, and yet he called me to be an apostle to the Gentiles. By the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace toward me was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than all. Yet, not I, but his grace in me. Isn't that great? I gave everything I had, and yet now that I think about it, me giving everything I had, even that was grace. 
I mean, it's his grace from beginning to end. I've given everything, and yet not I, but it was his grace in me that did it all. Therefore, whether I was or whether I what it was I or was they, you preached, we preached, and so you believe. So there's a lot of stuff there, evidence about the resurrection. Ready? I'm going to give you seven facts real quick. Boom, bang. And you can own these, and you can walk around, and you can pull out your receipt every day. He is risen. You need to know that he's risen. This isn't a hope-so story. This is the real deal. You ready? Number one, he is risen. There is documentary evidence. If I'm standing in a court of law right now, they would say, what is your evidence? I would bring this, a very legal term. I have documentary evidence of his resurrection. Oh, really? Well, let me see it. Well, I got four gospels written by four different guys who totally, at different times, outline that this whole story is legit. Not only did they say it, but in the, in the other books of the Bible, we see all of this revelation that promised the Savior would come and that he would rise, and that he would be raised from the dead. Jesus taught it himself. I have so much evidence. Now, if I were to tell you that Alexander the Great was a real person, would you believe me? Alexander the Great is a real person. Would I be accurate in saying that? There's very little evidence of that. There's so much evidence of the life of Jesus, biblical and extra-biblical. He was written about in history and in time. People who are not biblical people, people who are Jewish historians and other people, Greek historians, they all talked about Jesus. He was a real historical character. There's more written about that person in history than anybody else, and yet there's very little written about Alexander the Great. But if I said to you today, Alexander the Great never existed, you think I'm a nut bar. But you know, there's very little written about him. One guy who wrote a lot about him was a guy named Titus Livius, and he was born in 39 BC. He would live 400 years after, 400 years after Alexander the Great. Alexander the Great lived 400 years ago, now let me tell you about him. And yet that person who wrote about Alexander the Great 400 years later is considered an authority on that person. There's very little written about him, but we all believe he really existed. And he really did. But there's way more documentary evidence that Jesus is who he said he is. And not only that he is, but that he died, that he was buried, and that he's risen again. It's throughout writings, everywhere, there's so much documentary evidence that he's alive. All right, I'm not convinced. That's not enough. All right, well, let me give you more. There's direct evidence. Peter said he appeared to me. Peter said, you know, not only that, he appeared to me. The one who said it, people wrote about it. There's all kinds of scriptures that talk about it. Well, all those scriptures are fulfilled. I'll tell you why. I saw him. He personally appeared to me. If I brought somebody in and I said, that man robbed the store. Well, how do you know? Well, that guy was there and he saw him. That would be direct evidence. That's direct eyewitness evidence. And Peter was such an uh, empowered eyewitness that he was crucified for what he believed. He was crucified upside down because he went everywhere. Jesus is alive. Jesus is alive. Jesus is risen from the dead. And he was so convinced of that, he gave his very life for that story. Number three, there's supplementary evidence. It says, not only me, but the 12, us 12. So you could say one person, whoopie-doo, but all 12 of us saw him. And not only us, but 500 of us at one time on the Mount of Ascension. We were there with the ascended Christ, and he was teaching all of us at once. It wasn't 500 people having a hallucination. We really saw. I mean, I ate with him. He cooked breakfast for me one day. Thomas here came and put his hand right in his side. I mean, we touched him. We experienced him. He ate with us. 
I mean, we didn't just have these little, I think it was Jesus. He really showed up in a physical body. I saw him. He's alive. Why is it important that he's alive? Because if he's alive, if he is risen, you are absolutely righteous. The resurrection is really important. And I absolutely believe it. And Paul said, of first importance, I want you to understand these things. Amen? All right, I got more. I got declaration of peculiar interest. This is a legal term, declaration of peculiar interest. His brother James said, I saw Jesus alive. Now, why is that strange? James never believed him. James in the scripture says, James never believed his brother. My crazy brother who thinks he's the son of God. Well, James, who before said he's crazy, is now convinced he really is who he says he is. That's a declaration to somebody. I got somebody who was antagonistic. I got somebody who didn't believe once. I got somebody who said, rubbish! He saw the risen Christ, and he also will testify about it. I got another person. I got, I got uh, another declaration of penal interest. Now, here's somebody who cruised. I mean, he, he, he attacked the church. He, he criticized the church. He, he came against the church. He persecuted. He killed people who said they were believers. Here's somebody who's so vehement that this is rubbish. I'm so disgusted that you're following a dead teacher. Here's somebody who was so opposed to it. He had a one-on-one encounter. Jesus showed up, knocked him off his horse and said, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? I am Jesus who you are persecuting. He had a face-to-face encounter. I got Paul. Bring Paul over. Paul, what happened to you? Well, I saw Jesus. I didn't only see him then, but every once in a while I go to heaven and he talks to me about stuff. That's your witness? He's a bit crazy. Paul really went to heaven, had face-to-face. He said, I didn't receive this from historical, you know, past times where we were walking on the dusty roads. I was taken one-on-one in his office in the heavenly realm, and he outpoured to me revelation. For what I've received, I received of the Lord. And Paul is giving us direct evidence right there. Isn't that good stuff? So we got, we got a documentary evidence, direct evidence, supplementary evidence, declaration of peculiar interest. We got declaration of penal interest. And then we got the early church. I mean, the early church on the message of the resurrection, it exploded and went throughout the known world. I mean, Paul in his lifetime, he said, I've taken the gospel to the whole known world. He'd gone everywhere with the gospel. The gospel exploded. And if you're on your way home, I want you to drive home today, and I want you to count the number of churches you go by. Why do they exist? They exist because he's risen. I want you to Google churches in the world, and you're going to find that there's churches all over the world. I was in Dubai. Well, no churches in Dubai. There is churches in Dubai. Every Friday, the churches gather in Dubai. I've preached in several churches in Dubai, and they gather on Friday, just as the Muslims gather. They get together in Dubai. They, they gather, and they have house churches, and, and churches, they use convention centers, and they use uh, hotel room lobby, not lobbies, but hotel room ballrooms and things. And I've preached in hotel ballrooms and conference centers in Dubai. The church is everywhere in the world. Why is the church everywhere in the world? Why? Because he's risen. Because he's alive and because he's moving, he's forwarding the advance of his church all over the world. We got experience in the early church. We got the apostles. They were teaching. It says, they went out. The Lord worked with them, confirming the word with signs and wonders. Acts 2, 41, 3,000 were added to the church the first day. In the first sermon, 3,000 people got saved. Acts 5, 12, the apostles went out. They performed miraculous signs and wonders. What began in that little dusty corner is filling the globe today because Jesus is alive.
I got one more. I got one more, and I got to stop. I got to let you go. Are you ready? I got eyewitness evidence from myself. I got my experience. I got this church's experience. I know because it says that his spirit testifies with my spirit that I'm a child of God. And I will tell you that I have been born from above. God has come and taken up residence in my heart. He absolutely, totally moved in. And I talk with him and I walk with him and I experience every day of my life the knowledge that I have a living savior. I was dead, doomed, and dominated, but he made me alive. He raised me up and I'm seated with him in heavenly places. And God Almighty is my best friend and he animates my life every day. Yes. My son had some blood work done and they said they said we don't know what's going on but your your thyroids there's no measurement. It's like you don't even have them. They don't even exist. There's something terribly wrong. And they said, "How should I feel? Well, you should feel tired. You should feel this." And he said, "Man, I got all the symptoms of that. That's kind of creepy." They said, "We're not sure what's going on. It could be it could be a, it could be a tumor on your thyroid. It could be this, it could be that, but it's really bad. And, and we need to send you to a specialist." And went to the thyroid specialist. He's like, "Oh my goodness." And they took some more blood, did some more stuff. And then the thyroid specialist called back this week. And he said, "Dylan, um we just did all these new tests, and uh, everything's completely normal. Like, I'm not sure what happened, because, because this bunch of work says this, and now this new bunch of work says everything's okay. So we're not going to do anything right now, but could we test you again in May? Let's, let's see what happens, because they're confused. They don't know what's going on. And Steph, Dylan's girlfriend, Steph, and they're, they're here today. Dylan invited a friend today. It's so good. But, uh, you know, Steph talked to my wife and said, Dylan said he's healed because dad prayed for me. <laughs> well, we all prayed. We made it a matter of prayer. You know why we prayed? Because we know Jesus is alive. And we know that one of the, one of the things we have because of a resurrected Christ, he's risen with healing in his wings. And healing is ours. Bill Hermiston, who is a part of our leadership team here, he had tuberculosis, was sent off to a sanatorium, and they were told at the sanatorium that, Bill, you, you just, your lungs are riddled with tuberculosis, and we're going to have to keep you here at this sanatorium. And so he was there, and he called the elders of the church, because the Bible says, call the elders of the church, the prayer of faith will heal the sick. So he went, the elders came, they prayed for him, his lungs were totally made new out of the sanatorium. So this is more and more to the story, hang on. So he wants to come to Canada. So on the checklist from coming to Britain to Canada, have you ever had tuberculosis? Yes. And so he did all that, handed in the thing. They brought him in and said, uh, Mr. Hermiston, you can't go to Canada if you've had tuberculosis. He goes, well, I had it. I don't have it anymore. What do you mean you don't have it anymore? He says, well, I got prayed for and I, I'm totally healed. My lungs are new. What do you mean your lungs are, your lungs are new? He says, well, they came. And they said, oh, my goodness. Either you had it or you didn't. Well, I did have it, but I don't now. So they said, we're going to have to do some more x-rays and check out because your lungs, if you had tuberculosis, your lungs will be scarred, and we're going to find out. So they did the new x-rays, and they brought him in and said, Bill, there's no scarring on these x-rays. These lungs have never had tuberculosis. So that's what I told you. I had it, but I don't now. They said, well, sir, listen, did you have tuberculosis? Yes. Well, you can't go to Canada if you're going to say yes. He says, but I'm not going to lie to you. I did have it, but I was healed. Mr. They said, Mr. Hermiston, you've never had tuberculosis, but I did. Do you want to go to Canada? Yes. Well, you didn't have tuberculosis. Yes, I did. Mr. Hermiston, you don't have it. You're going to Canada. 
totally. I got so many testimonies, so many healings, so many remarkable signs and wonders of what God's done. James, who's a part of our small groups, I've never met him face to face except on a screen. He was told just before Christmas, you got stage four cancer in your lungs, and this is it. And I think James thought, he, I'll reconnect with church because, you know, I should get myself ready to exit this world. But now the one lung is totally clean, no sign of cancer, and the other lung is getting better and better every single day. I got my experience. We got the church's experience. We got so much evidence that there is a risen Christ. And you know what? If he is a risen Christ, guess what that means? I got the receipt right here. He is risen. I am totally righteous. I'm not just righteous spiritually. I'm righteous body, soul, and spirit. And I have recovered and restored everything the devil tried to take from me. He is risen. I am made absolutely, completely whole in the name of Jesus. Come on, stand up with me. Shout out if you're excited. We're going to keep unpacking the resurrection for the next several weeks because we need to be baptized in this, don't we? Hey, listen, bow your heads, close your eyes. All the believers, you're all praying, 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 praying. Listen, if you're here today or you're watching online and you've never said yes, you see, because this is bedrock absolute truth. And it is truth. Whether you want to believe it or not, it's truth. But I want you to believe it today. I want you to accept that truth. I want you to say, I'm in. I want you to pick up the receipt. And I want you to be able to forever say, I have been made righteous. And all I want you to do is say, hey, preacher, I accept what you're saying today. I embrace what you're saying today. I receive the evidence that there's a risen Savior, and I want to be a part of the family. That's why he did all of this. He did all of this to bring you home. He did all of this to welcome you home. He did all of this to say, come on into the family of God. And if you've never done that, you've never said, hey, I accept what Jesus did on my behalf. If you've never done that, I want you to do it today. And if you want to do it, I'm going to count to three. I'm going to go one, two, three. And if that's you, just put your hand up so I can see it. Are you ready? One, two, three. Right up, really high. Put your hand up very high. Say, I'm in. I'm in. I accept it today. I accept it today. If you're online, anybody online, you say, I'm in. I accept it today. Then just thank you. Welcome home. Welcome home. I'm going to pray for you. Ready? Lord Jesus, I thank you that you are my Lord and Savior. You are the risen Christ. I believe you. I trust you. I receive your Lordship in my life. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for being my Lord and my Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Shout one more time. Say, woo! All right, I tell you, you want to be here next week. It's going to be some good, I tell you. Boy, oh boy. We bless you, you folks online. Bless you. Thanks for checking in. We love you. Going to pray for all of you right now. Bless you. On your way, just go out slowly. Give each other a bit of space. There's another square to cleanser at the door as you go out. But we got room for prayer right here on the yellow dots. We're going to have a couple people. You can line up on the yellow line. And if you need prayer today for anything, the resurrected Christ is ready to manifest on your behalf. All right? So... Next Steps, if you're new here and you've never been to our Next Steps class, our Next Steps class is happening right now. You go through the doors on the way out, but instead of going out the door, you go right. And if you go right, we're going to keep you for 10 or 12 minutes. There's snacks that have been left out for weeks. <laughs> 
They're wrapped up snacks, resurrected snacks. They're snacks and treats and things for you. And we'd love to take your time just for a bit just to tell you who we are, let you know how you can engage and get involved with us. And we need your help. We need volunteers because we're about to take over the city of London. So we need help with that, all right? So, so, but we want you to plug into our Next Steps class as well. And online, you can go to Next Steps online. You can click online, stay there, boom, and we'll move you over to the Next Steps class. Or if you need prayer online, we'll pray for you too. Or if you just want to go to the lobby and talk to somebody and say, hey, there's, there's an online experience there as well. But we love you. We miss your face so much. And there's a lot of beautiful people in the room who love you too. So we're going to pray for you folks. You ready? Who wants to get blessed on the way out? Father, we bless right now in the name of Jesus. I thank you for each one here. I pray, Lord, that this word would sink deep in their hearts. I pray that the phrase, he is risen, would never be the same. That it would be something that has revolutioned their hearts and lives today. I say when it comes off their lips from this day forward, it's going to cause such a, it's going to propel them into something so fresh and so new. So he is risen. Jesus, you are risen. You are alive in my life today. And I thank you that because you are, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. If not every Every sin was dealt with, you couldn't be raised. But if you were raised, every single issue, once and for all, was dealt with at the cross. So we thank you for absolute total freedom. I bless each one now with the wonderful love of the Father, with the incredible grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and with the beautiful fellowship and partnership of the Holy Spirit. I bless you and commend you to go in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Have an awesome day.